Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. So tell us a little bit about angels. What does the church tell us about angels? Uh, Well, the angels are, at the very heart of all of it, is their messengers, literally, that's their name, is their messengers of God. But that can take on many different aspects, many different dimensions. Thomas Aquinas, the great Catholic thinker, taught that the angels were there to deliver God's messages to us, to guard over us, but also to show us what it is to be worshipful spiritual creatures. Because we're different, humans and angels. They're pure intellect, pure spirit. If they come in a body, according to Thomas, it's only for our benefit that we see that. Otherwise, they exist as pure uh, pure thought, pure spirit in all ways. And uh, then the Church teaches that there are nine choirs divided into three levels, and that each of us gets a guardian angel, which is at the lowest, but still a powerful being. Does the guardian angel pick us? Do we pick them? How does that happen? They are picked from us, for us by God, so they're assigned to us at uh, at birth, at the quickening of the soul. There's an old Jewish folk tale that says that angels actually tell us to be to shush us about what we might know as the spiritual life, and that's why the indentations on our lip, just one of those little folk tales we get, but it reflects that they've been with us since birth. Mine must have worked overtime in my earlier days, I'll tell you. He, <laughs> if, they, if they give angels rewards, he deserves some award, that's for sure. You're not the first person to say that. Even like uh, the novelist Charles Fugli felt that the angels would grab him and literally protect him from running into traffic or letting his mind wander in a bar. But, you know, they, 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 they step in at the right time, don't they? That's their goal. They have to. They can't force our will. We still have the freedom of the will. We can, even if an angel appeared to us with the message of God, we could reject them. But they do step in, and as long as we're willing to listen and try to listen out for those who are watching out for us, they're there to guard us and to watch over us. What would you say is your favorite angel movie? Oh, that's a hard one. Oh. Mine's a slam dunk. I'll tell you about it in a second. <laughs> as silly and trite as it might sound, I think I like the end of It's a Wonderful Life. I just was going to say that. That's my movie. Oh, really? That's it. <laughs> Clarence is a great guardian angel. He's very simple, but he has one direction to save George. That's his entire George, job. George Bailey, come and take care of George. Go on down and save this guy. This is what life without saving George Bailey would have been like. And it was a, just a remarkable movie, and it and it was real. It it was real. It felt real. Absolutely, it did, and it also shares that really powerful Christian idea we have, where we can actually pray for others by asking their guardian angel to watch over them, or even saying, "Hey, my good friend's here. Let his guardian angel hear my intentions and look after them." Do guardian angels look after a number of people, or just? us, just individually. That's at different levels, but the very lowest level, we each get in a, a particular individual guardian angel. And again, that's assigned to us at birth. But going back all the way to St. Paul in the book of Acts, there's a vision he has of a Macedonian and calling him over, 
a lot of people interpreted that as being an angel over the Macedonians. And this has led to, uh, we were talking about the Jesuits, the great Jesuit saint and missionary Francis Xavier had a vision of the angel over India come over to him and say, ask him to come to India to preach there. And he believed that this was, in fact, a our, um, one of the higher angels looking over a country. So the Catholic Church to this day believes that peoples, countries, even cities can have a guardian angel looking over that area. Do we ever meet our guardian angel where we see him or, or her or, or it? Yeah. Yes, actually. Uh, there are many mystical visions where guardian angels appear to people at their death. Most famously was probably St. Francis of Rome, who saw visions of her guardian angel throughout her life. She herself actually remained incorrupt for several hundred years after her death in the 14th century, so there was just another miracle attributed to her in that regard. But I'll tell um, you a great story. It's kind of chilling. I told some of it a couple of weeks ago, but I never told the entire story because the last half of it fits exactly what you do, Michael. And uh, my mother was born in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, to a family that uh, came from the Middle East. And uh, her father established a furniture company. It was called the Union Furniture Company in Fitchburg. And he built the store. And in so building the store, he also built like 12 apartments on top of the store, including one that was massive sized. And they lived in that. And he raised uh, my mother's brothers and sisters and his wife, and, and, and but they lived over the store. But every year we would go to Fitchburg as kids and as we grew up for summer vacation. My father would drive us out there or we would take a train, and then he'd drive up later for his week vacation. He worked at the Ford Motor Company in Dearborn. But we'd go every summer to Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Well... One morning, early in the morning, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, we woke up, all of us, to smoke in the apartment. The store was on fire. Somebody had broken in and lit a, we think we know who it was, but I'm not going to get into that, but <laughs> that had lit the, some, the mattress section of the furniture store on fire, and smoke was starting to blaze up. Well... Fire department came outside and put that fire out. But before they got there, smoke was really popping into the apartment where we were all asleep. I woke up to a firefighter looking me in the face with his mask and helmet on, shaking me and waking me up. And we woke up everybody in the rest of the house. I mean, they were all over the place. There were bedrooms everywhere. And the whole place was full of smoke. You could barely see walking down the steps to go outside. But he woke us all up, and we ran outside, and uh, we were all okay, and they put the fire out, and everything was fine. And then we went to thank this firefighter, and not only was he not there, the fire department folks said, we were never upstairs. We never got up there by that time. We just were in the store trying to take out this fire. Who are you talking about? And we said he was a fireman. He had a helmet on and this, that. And uh, they said, uh, well, we didn't have those kind of helmets. It, It wasn't one of our people. Where is he? And we looked around and went, 
I don't know. Where is he? Nobody could ever find him. Could he have been our guardian angel? I think absolutely, especially that's a chilling story and frankly miraculous. I mean, so many people die from smoke inhalation. Oh, absolutely. And we couldn't see his face. He had this plastic-type face mask on. Uh, you know, all we could see was, you know, he was dressed up like a firefighter, shaking us, waking me up first, and then we woke up the rest of the family, but nobody ever was able to find him, and the fire department denies that they had anybody upstairs. That's madness, and what's even more chilling about that is I have an aunt who has a similar story of someone waking her up when she was in a hotel room and told, hey, you need to get out of here right now. And as she gathered her stuff, she realized there was no one in the room. Her door was locked, so she asked the hotel attendant after seeing there was a fire in a lower level. Oh, who woke me up? No one woke you up, ma'am. We've been trying to get the fire department here. No one woke you up, ma'am. And she, to this day, like every time she thinks about it, she always gives a little gratitude to her guardian angel. Because this person, this entity, whatever it was, woke me up first, could that have been my guardian angel as opposed to my mother's or my father's or anybody else up there? It absolutely could have been. But I also think that your guardian angel and your mom's guardian angel easily, this is a thing saints have experienced, easily could have been in conversation to save one to make sure you both got out of there. Right. All right. Well, I wasn't going to get out without getting them all out. That's for sure. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> and even at that age, I must have been about 10 years old or something like oh, that. Oh, my gosh. What there's, a, there's a picture of me in the Fitchburg newspaper in my pajamas walking across the street at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with my family in the area and with a fire truck in the background. And it's a black and white photograph. But uh, they, you know, it was a big story for that little town at the time you know the whole furniture store could have gone and could have taken all of us with it but uh i've always wondered was that my angel because they never found the firefighter we could never thank that person i I, that's what we wanted to do yeah of course and i'll say that sounds like a really great origin story if they ever make a biopic of you sir Let's open up the phone lines next hour, and we'll take uh, similar type stories that could be out there. But there's also another side of angels, the fallen angels. Michael, really, what are they? You know, I I know it from the Bible. I want to hear it from you. Sure. Well, uh, last time I was on this show, I got to talk about Father Amorth, the exorcist. And I think he sums it up very well that the fallen angels are the ones in heaven who, when it came time to serve to for God assigning angels to humans and to show love and mercy, they were the ones who said, uh, going back to Latin, non servium, I will not serve. And that was their ultimate rejection, their ultimate turning away from God to choose death instead of life, as Augustine would say. And so what those angels then did, uh, Revelation, as you know, good Catholic school, St. Michael casted Satan and the other angels down onto earth. It was roughly one-third of them. And so what they are now, they are angelic beings. They were created as these pure spirits, these intelligences, wiser, older than us. But they are almost the... Uh, they're kind of almost a satanic parody of what God would have you do. Were they jealous of us as humans? Very. 
they were very jealous of us. Uh, Satan is recorded by several mystics that he was jealous not only that we were given so much love and grace from God, but that because we were both material and spiritual, that meant we had one thing angels didn't possess, which is a knowledge of God's natural world that they can't particularly have. And also our wills are different from theirs. Mm -hmm. We exist in time, we exist in flesh. And wasn't there a time, though, that Satan did not go astray, was probably a good angel? Yes. uh, Many in the Orthodox Church, he's recorded as being a cherubim, the second highest angel. Well, he should have realized that whatever was happening with us was just part of God. Uh, Why would he have to get so jealous about this? And I think of, from what I can see and from what I can read, is the jealousy comes from the fact that the love is so... It It became hatred. Exactly. It became a burning hatred and a desire to even undo all of creation because creation itself is now something he's disgusted and jealous from. What's amazing is, had he repented, God would have brought him back. Absolutely. Unfortunately, though, his will is what it is, and that's the weird part about angels, is their wills are very different from ours because they exist outside of time. And, you know, if you believe in good and evil, and uh, I I don't know who doesn't believe in that... There's got to be a rationale behind some of these things. And, uh, you know, I think the influence of demons and Satan, it's still out there, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's also good to know that even in the wickedness of times, like there's that great line, the candle shines brightest in the darkness. And that's exactly, I think, what sometimes these angels can be a reminder of and remembering that we're not made by accident or purposeless. We're, we were made intentionally, and we're giving guardians to watch us. I, uh, I play every Christmas Eve or Christmas Day night on the program the rendition of A Letter from Michael, uh, which is about a soldier during the Korean War who was miraculously saved uh, but believes that he was saved by St. Michael, the, uh, the angel, the, the archangel. And uh, he's one of the most famous of the angels, isn't he? Absolutely. I'm, it's what my parents named me after. That's right. <laughs> That's right. How did he get so powerful? Well, he is among the archangels, and uh, of the three that are named, there's seven total. And the reason why his power is so well-known and so grand was because of that moment in the book of Revelation when John has that vision of Satan being cast down. It was Michael who delivered the fatal blow, which is incredible because Michael's of a lower order in the choir of angels. But he was like the soldier of the angels, wasn't he? Exactly. He was, you know, he was down with the other archangels into the ones that interact with humans, but he was the one who dealt the powerful blow against Satan and wounded him and sent him hurling to hell. I can't think, Michael, of a better time where people need to tap into this. Whether you're Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, whatever you may be, uh, to tap into this and get that kind of, I guess, feedback from the angels. Absolutely, and St. Michael's especially 
perfect for today. I can think of a story of Gregory the Great, who was suffering through a plague in Rome, not too unlike what we've had to go through. Yeah, It was also the end of the Roman Empire. And what does he see up on near the Vatican? But after praying and fasting for the plague to go away, he sees St. Michael sheathing his sword, showing the people that God's not going to punish them with the plague anymore, and the plague was delivered that day. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.